0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Bluewire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Schedule Abuse.
1: What is going on, everybody? It is Tuesday night here on the OBR, and that means it's time. For the Garage Beers podcast, welcome on in, everybody. I'm your host, Michael Keith. Find me online at Garage Beers, Mike. And over there in the garage on the east side of Cleveland, it's my buddy, Chad Meyer at Garage Beers. Chad, what's going on, Chad?
2: Well, I had to put my hood up and uh, put my earphones over it because your voice was just piercing. Uh, hey. I
1: 152 I... episodes, on, and you're doing that, and we're doing yeah. that.
2: No. uh, Yeah. yeah I just uh, I just got off the Peloton. Uh, you know, oh, if you want to... Go feeling a little bit of low e uh before before the show tonight so i had to get some uh some endorphins pumping uh and yeah now i'm here i'm back everybody i'm good let's go let's you do had to get
1: it to e. you had to get some e <laughs> <In the end. laughs>
2: I had to get to me e. had to get some e. uh yeah mike uh i had a phenomenal breakfast sandwich this morning i wanted to ask you are you a breakfast sandwich guy like, oh what's yeah your, what's your perfect breakfast sandwich
1: oh man i don't know about perfect because i don't know if i've had it but I'll tell you what, and I got to give credit to uh, my wife's uncle uh, and Joey's uncle, Mike. Uh, he makes a wicked breakfast sandwich, man. It's uh, it's like an over easy egg because I like when the egg kind of runs out onto the breakfast sandwich. Uh-huh. It's one of those like frozen hash brown patties. Ooh, okay. It's bacon. Uh, it's toast. It's hot sauce. Okay. And it's cheese. All right. Oh, and it's delicious. It's delicious. Okay.
2: See bread's a, br- the bread is a big proponent for me, right? You know, for, it for me it goes For me it goes croissant, biscuit, and, and, and bagel. Like if you if you handed me an English muffin, I might throw it back square in your face.
1: Oh, see, that's like, I disagree with you completely. The English, I muffin love English
2: muffins is, most times English muffins are just are just super dry and chewy, and I just I just want to throw it back in your face. That's it. But uh, the croissant is huge, in, in the breakfast in the breakfast sandwich game.
1: All right. So you're What do you want on it? What's your what, what are we talking here? You asked me about mine. What's what do we what do we want on it?
2: Sausage, uh, fried egg or over easy or over easy egg, like you said, uh, spinach, tomato and like some sort of chipotle sauce. Not like hot sauce. But like mm. give me a little kick. Give me that little like southwestern type flavor on it. And a uh, little, little kick. And that's so my breakfast so- sandwich. All right.
1: <laughs> well, I'm hungry, even though I just ate. So, you know, that's how that works. Dan Wise says everything bagel all the way. And you can't go wrong with that. And the seasoning for that is delicious. Right. Uh, listen, we've got a great show coming up for you. Episode 152, if you can believe that, of the Garage Beers podcast, as we barrel towards our third anniversary of this show. Uh, and we got a great show. A little bit later in the show, it's going to be the Garage Beer Super Bowl preview. We got the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. If you can believe that, football season is over. Uh, after Sunday. So we're going to go into the Super Bowl free preview. We're going to talk about chiefs Eagles. Uh, we're going to, we're going to talk about some of our favorite things, Super Bowl, and everything in between. Uh, uh, and we've got a, a lot of other fun stuff. Uh, we're getting ready to bring in our special guest. I can see him in the background. We're going to let him get settled here, uh, but we've got an amazing special guest from you. We're going to talk Cavaliers with a legendary Cleveland Cavalier, and you can see him on all the Cavs broadcasts. Uh, campy Russell, we're going to bring him in in just a minute, but before we do that, Chad, real quick, let's do our garage beers of the week. Okay. And I want to know what you're drinking. What are you drinking Chad?
2: Well, dude, whew. well, first off, let me get the uh let's see cuz I don't do this. show hold on. Eh eh No, nothing. <laughs> that's the worst whatever. <laughs> that, that was crap. Uh that's what kind of made me think of the breakfast uh ask for you because uh one of my favorite breakfast foods is french toast, right? Ooh. And yeah, uh like and um yeah, it, Southern Tier took uh, the ingredients of French toast and combined it with beer and made the French toast imperial ale.
1: Oh, geez.
2: Look at that guy, huh? Sweet Sassy molasses, Toasted caramel notes blend into flavors of maple syrup, vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg, while milk sugar creates a creamy sweet balance to a complex malt bill. Quit talking dirty to the (laughs) listeners. Quit (laughs) talking dirty. This brunch-inspired brew will remind you of that first delicious bite of French toast. Let's see if the first sip does the same thing. Hang on. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's good. All right, dude. You know what that tastes like? Uh, French toast. Yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, that tastes like um, if you if you took a Christmas ale and dipped a little bit of syrup in it. That's exactly what that tastes like.
1: All right. That's really good. It's like if Buddy the Elf drank Christmas ale. That's what it would taste like.
2: (laughs) It's my favorite beverage ever. (laughs) Uh,
1: All right. So that's the first of our garage beers. Uh, Hey, listen, uh, before we get into our second, make sure you're following all things OBR. We got a great schedule. I'll get to it at the end of the episode, but a great schedule of shows this week on the OBR. Uh, And uh, if you're joining us live here tonight, first of all, if if you can't join us live, if you're listening to us later, thank you so much for your time and for listening and supporting us. If you're joining us live, be like these people in the comments, like Shooter McGavin talking about his favorite breakfast uh, bagels, or like Pat Shea talking about how he's drinking a Lagunitas IPA. Can't go wrong with that out of California. Uh, so make sure you get in the comments. We've got a great episode. We want you to be a part of this show, so we appreciate you doing that. I'll go to mine real quick before we bring in our special guest, and apparently uh, this episode is not officially sponsored, but sort of. By Southern Tier brew. <laughs> hey, here we go! Going, it's that time of the year where like Irish stuff is coming around. It's it's St. Patty's Day next next uh, month. Conway's is out from uh, Great Lakes. Southern Tier comes out with the Irish Cream Stout, and it's delicious. It's yeah. got that oh, look at that glass. That's a beautiful glass, Garage Pierce glass. Uh it's got that kind of Bailey's ish vibe to it. That sweet Irish cream, but it's in a nice dark. Look at that.
2: Look at that. Wow! Wow! Nice, wow! Well,
1: get yours uh you know it's some nice. time. and you can get all of these things at southern tier because that's apparently the only beers we're drinking this week so <laughs> listen those are our garage beers if you want to share what you're drinking jump in the comments and do that and uh and now it's time for us to get into the nuts and bolts of episode 152 and in order to do that man i feel like we picked just the best time for this chad you you've been working on this for a little bit i feel like we picked the best time for this conversation because right now the wine and gold the boys in wine and gold downtown Cleveland are playing some of their best basketball of the season. Uh, They are absolutely on fire right now. And to talk about that with us and to talk about a lot of other stuff, we have got a Cavaliers legend played for the Cavaliers in the seventies from 74 to 79. And then he came back in 84 Uh, and you've been able to find him on the airwaves with the Cavaliers for years now doing pre and post game and on the sidelines and all that. We're excited to bring him in right now. It's campy Russell campy. Thank you for joining us here on the garage beers podcast. Oh, no problem
3: at all. I'm, I was looking forward to it, particularly after we had settled on a date and all of that. And we've gotten to, you know, finally gotten together and talked about this on the phone. So I'm, I'm happy to be a part of this. You just,
2: you just missed us that much back in 85. <laughs> you just had to come back for one more year, huh? That's the, for back in your playing days.
3: Well, you know, circumstances just, uh, happened to be that way. <laughs> uh, but you know, something, uh, those, those were some great times in Cleveland. Uh, I had some great times in New York as well and played with some great teams in, in both Cleveland as well as uh, with the Knicks. So I can't complain at all.
1: Campy, I'm just glad you were excited to come on with us. We've had quite a few of your uh, your cohorts there on the broadcast team. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but between Austin and John Michael and, and our buddy, Tim Elcorn, we've had a lot of these guys on the show with us and, and they haven't they haven't scared you guys off. They haven't scared the rest of you off. So I appreciate that.
3: <laughs> well, you, you know, all three of those guys are really good and talk and, and, and as it relates to talking about the Cavs or for the most part, talking about anything. Uh, so th- those are all three good guys that can make your make your show and make the uh, make your show even more exciting than what it is already.
2: Well, uh Campy, yeah we're gonna get into basketball like we said and uh but you know first time whenever we have our guest on the, uh the show for the first time we like to get to know you a little bit so let's get to know you for a, uh, for a second uh born in Jackson Tennessee uh and you went to high school in Michigan what was what was life growing up like in Jackson Tennessee when did you make the move to Michigan and uh yeah to talk about uh, talk about what we, what it was like growing up
3: well uh we moved to Jackson Tennessee when I was probably about hmm Three or four years old. So, um, but but we always went back to Jackson, Tennessee every summer from the time I was the time we moved until I became about maybe 19 years old, and then I stopped going as much as I normally would. But Jackson, Tennessee, for me, is it, home. It's home for all my brothers and sisters. Um, it, it's all my cousins, everything, and uh, we still go back there now because it's just a part of who we are. You know, Jackson, Tennessee, we stayed out in the area called, uh, uh, wow, I just drew a blank on it, uh, but in Madison County. Okay. County was out in the country, if you will, you know, where all the farmlands were. Sure. and um, You know, my family, them had a farm, a big farm as well. Uh, so we always went back for uh, what they call revivals. every. Ah. We went back around August sometimes, July, August time, to uh, partake in the revivals uh, because that was just a part of uh, our family and part of what we did every year from the time we left Jackson, Tennessee until, you know, I became 19 and then we stopped going. At least I stopped going as much as I did because of all the other stuff that I was doing at that (laughs) time. You had other stuff going on at 19. Yes, but all. All of us, all seven, uh, there was 10 of us, seven boys and three girls. Um, All of us, um, you know, have uh, moved to to Michigan. Uh, My dad and my mom, them, they did an outstanding job of um, providing for us and putting us in uh, positions to be able to be successful in whatever we do.
1: So, so my question, uh, you being, uh, you know, we're talking about you growing up. There's a great story. I, I, You know, we had to reach out to our buddy Tim Alcorn before he came out and say, hey, Tim, well, <laughs> you know, give us something. He, Good news for you. He didn't give you up on anything uh, embarrassing or too funny. But based on your name, Campy, you played the wrong sport. Well, now it worked out for you. It worked out for you. But you're named after a baseballer, right?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the thing about that is. You know, my dad named me Michael Campanella Russell, you know, after obviously Roy Campanella, because, you know, he used to tell us that he was a good baseball player that he said he would tell us that there was never a ball that hit the ground when he was out there in the <laughs> house. Yeah. That's what he oh. said. <laughs> yes. Uh, but um, the, the, the the most ironic thing about it is my brother that came after me, he named him Larry Doby. Oh, no um, kidding it, and then you wind up in Cleveland. He has a, he has a statue in, in front of uh, a progressive field. Uh, oh. So uh, my brother, uh, Larry was named after Larry Doby. So obviously my dad was a great baseball fan more so than basketball, because uh, I think in all the times that I played, he may have come to probably, I'm going to say probably three or four games. And I'm, I'm talking about professionally.
2: Uh, <laughs> at, wow. In,
3: school. in junior high, he never came to any of the games because, you know, he was just the kind of guy that was more about just taking care of his family, doing what he yeah. needed to do. Yeah. He was about work. He was all about trying to raise us and put us in the best spot he could possibly put us in and giving us all the tools that we needed. So uh, I never looked. Uh, I never looked negative about that. Because sure. I, I knew his heart. I knew what he was thinking and, and what he was trying to do when you got seven boys and three girls.
2: I, I was about to say, there's
3: 10 of you. He's like,
2: do you think I have time? to <laughs> come to these games? I got to work. I got to work.
3: <laughs> exactly. 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 And Then, then you compound that with, um, you know, living in a really interesting neighborhood that we were in, you know, it was all about, it was all about family in the neighborhood I grew up in in Pontiac and all of the school teachers, whether it's an elementary school or junior high or high school, all live pretty much in the same area. You know, all of the professional people, if you will, whether they were police officers, whether they were lawyers, whether they were whatever, they, we all live in the same in the yeah. same. So yeah. it was a, a a well-rounded area that I come from, and and that, you know we had a, a great exposure to a lot of different people. You know, so we had a lot of dis- different aspirations uh, because of that exposure that we had there in Pontiac. So for me, when I look back at it, moving to Pontiac was probably the best thing that ever happened to all of us, all my brothers and sisters and all and, and my cousins and all of them because they moved from Jackson, Tennessee to uh, Pontiac, Michigan.
1: So, Campy, now we want to get, to get into a little bit more current events. Gotcha. So we, we want to talk about the, the Cleveland Cavaliers and obviously what they've got going on, but I think you've got some perspective that I, I'm dying to get on, on maybe the biggest story of the night for sure, or at least the next couple nights, right? You okay. play, you get your career started in the NBA in the mid seventies. Yeah. 74. Yes. You play during the heyday of uh, until the next couple nights, the greatest scorer that's ever played the game of basketball in the NBA, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm-hmm. He set a scoring record that for the longest time, everybody said, nobody's ever going to touch that. That That is an unbreakable record like, like Iron Man streaks or Joe DiMaggio and his hitting streak. And, yep. and that's how it was talked about. And yet here we are. LeBron James, the, the kid from Akron. The longtime Cavalier, the guy that delivered a title here to Cleveland after some tumultuous activities down in Miami and coming back. And now he's out in LA. He's 35, 36, one of those, uh point shy of breaking that record. Did you ever think you'd see it happen?
3: Well, I believe um that it obviously it's gonna happen now for sure.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But 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 just one You know, in the times, you know, and watching what I believe was the most one of the most talented guys I've ever seen for that for being that size and having that speed and quickness and awareness out there on the floor, understanding how to uh, get other people engaged into the game, how to, you know, who can rebound the ball, can assist the ball, can defend the ball, can play all positions out there on the floor. And he had longevity on his side. And for a guy who understood that even at that time, at 18, 17, whatever he was, he understood that for me to be the best I can be, I have to be able to take care of my body. You know, I have to be able to take care of my body. And I have to have the, as stable of um, uh, life or family situation as I possibly can have to keep me in this frame of mind of being uh the person that I want to be and the player that I want to be and the father that I want to be and the teammate that I want to be so uh with that in mind and having the ability to play as long as he played and be as proficient as he <laughs> is even to this day <laughs> uh huh you know uh it was written it was all written it was just a matter of how long was he going to play you know, because the numbers wasn't going to come because of how consistent he have been for a long, long time. And you don't really see that much of a drop-off. He's even become more efficient, you know, yeah. out there on the floor. So, I, you know, it's not a surprise to me, and I'm sure it's not a surprise to anybody, other than the fact that, you know, it was all about how long could he stay around and how consistent could he be to take over that record? And truly, and I'm not sure whether it's tonight or tomorrow or whatever it is, but, uh, you know, that record will definitely be covered by LeBron James uh, based upon his longevity, his abilities, and just having a strong, strong will to perform right. at that level.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, his, it's his 20th season. Yes. And he's averaging 30 points, eight and a half rebounds, and seven assists. Yes. 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 I do like do you do you think people fully comprehend
3: that? Well, you know, I don't think people really you know fully comprehend it at this point. All the comprehension comes later. <laughs> you know, right. Later. You know, when you really start sitting back and really thinking about that, even when Kareem did it, you know. When he did it, it wasn't you know, you, you thought about it, but you didn't really dig deep into it until later. And now you can dig an even a little deeper now because LeBron is about to eclipse that. You yeah. know, so all those things is gonna just make it even a bigger deal than what it is, you know. I mean, you know, because this is a monumental situation cuz nobody ever thought that that number would ever be toppled yeah. and have, I you know arguably one of the best players that ever played this game in terms of lebron james um ready to knock it down
2: yeah i think one of the most interesting things about this too is you know the older you get uh, as a professional athlete you have to uh, adapt your game to still be effective within the game lebron yeah. hasn't had to do that because of how well he's taken care of himself, LeBron is. I mean, yes, he's might have gotten a little bit slower <laughs> as he's gotten older, maybe a little bit, maybe. But that's about it. That's about can you, it. And you see the little bit I'm talking yeah, about. That's a little bit. <laughs> Other than that, he is still the same guy than when he came into the league as a rookie. It's astounding. <laughs>
3: it is really is. And, and 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 you know, to your point, you know, to me, I think he has become a better scorer than he's ever been. Mm. You know, yeah, able to. Really, his shot has become almost automatic now. You know, he shoots the three really well. I mean, he has adjusted to his—he has adjusted his game to whatever was needed. You know, yeah. and he continued to do that even at this age. You know, because he definitely has made some adjustments in terms of how he plays. You know, um, and to me, I think that's a—you uh, know—that just speaks volumes to how he understands this game, and how he understands what he has to do to move forward and continue to add numbers beyond once he eclipsed Kareem. Yeah,
2: Yeah, for
1: sure. Campy, a couple times every year, and the reason I think this is so awesome to hear this from you is because a couple times every year in your career, you had to look over at the other team and see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah, And you had to go – and, again, you were – I hesitate to say a wing player because when you say wing player in today's game, it's very different than what a wing player was in that era. What is a wing player today? Uh, uh, I think a lot of people think wing player, and they think three and D. Three-point shooters. Get them out there. Well, there wasn't a three-point line for a a good part of of your career. So it wasn't quite the same back then. That's that's but what, you know, from your perspective, when you guys were in the locker room, when you were game planning to go up against Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, what, what you know, just, just give us a little bit of info on on what made Kareem so special and, and what those what those conversations were like. How do we stop this guy?
3: Well, I think the conversations primarily was between our centers. <laughs> well, the, one the ones that had to deal with him. You know, uh, from a game plan perspective, you know, you would try some of the same things that you try with a LeBron James, you know, where you're throwing a bunch of guys at him and all that. It hadn't changed, you know, and but I think it was a different game. It was a slower game. It was a more methodical game. And um I just thought that, you know, he was unstoppable. I mean, no matter what you threw at him, just like LeBron he's going to come up with his numbers. He's his team is going to win and they're going to win championships and all of that. So it was more about just going out there and trying to compete at the highest level you possibly could. But at the end of the day, the outcome was pretty much the same, you know, that he scored a lot of points. His team's won. he impacted the game the way he impacts it. But in terms of just trying to determine how to stop him.
2: You just only hope to contain him, right? Pray. You can only hope to contain him.
1: Pray he's taking a rest day.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: hey, but back in the day, there wasn't too many of those. You know.
1: Just... Uh, all right, Campy. Uh, we're going to talk about the team in a minute, I promise. But the other thing that I think is really cool is, uh, and again, I think you probably think this is cool because you're the you're still director of alumni relations, correct? Correct. The Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is really cool is that there are three guys right now that you used to go to work with every day for years, from 74 to 79. Yes. There are three guys that you went to work with every single day. Well, you and two other guys that you went to work with every single day. You, Austin Carr, Jim Jones. You guys went to work together every day, and here you guys are going to work together every day in 2023. Uh, Just talk about the relationship that you guys have. Talk about how cool that is that – I think it's very cool that we've got this group of guys like yourself that did so much for the organization when it was fledgling, when it was young and, and you were trying to build something back then. Yes. And here you guys are today as really faces of the franchise in a certain way from a broadcast perspective. Uh, talk about how special that is for you to go to work with these guys every day 50 years later.
3: Well, you know, and that's the beauty of it right there, what you just said, you know, some 40, 50 years later. Um and I, I, I'm here to tell you, I'm, I've known Austin probably since I was, ooh, I remember going to watch Austin Carr play at the University of Michigan, and that might have been my senior year. And <laughs> yeah. I, and I tell you, I drove all the way up there to see him because, uh, you know, you heard so much about him, you know, and back in the day, it wasn't a lot of television, you know, Notre Dame and UCLA and those teams were the only ones that was on TV at the time. <laughs> right. But at, at any rate, you know, I, I went to see him and it was a just a phenomenal night. But it, it turned even to a really nightmare for me because I drove up there and the weather was really nice. And by the time I came out of the Chrysler Arena, it had snowed so hard <laughs> that it took me almost, normally it would take me about 45 minutes an hour to drive from Ann Arbor back to Pontiac. And it took me about two and a half hours or more to get back because that's how bad the, the weather was. And I tell Austin that story all the time. I said, man, I drove way up to the CU yeah. and got caught in a snowstorm.
2: Yeah, Austin
3: and I also, also not go way back. Yeah. And um, as it relates to Jim Jones, Jimmy and I came in. at this. We came here with the Cavaliers the same year, 74, along with Footsie Walker. And, um, uh, you know, we've all have been friends for... Those are almost 50 years that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our families, um, all of us are connected, you know, sure. completely. And um, we all care about each other and our families, and we all love each other as, as men, as uh, families. And uh, this has been the best thing that ever happened to me, and I tell people this all the time, of being drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, initially when they said Cleveland, I said, ah. <laughs> all players in the world, Cleveland, but I tell you, it turned out to be the absolute best thing that ever happened to me. And yeah. and, uh, and, and there's no question about it. Uh, but going back to our relationship with the, as players and as, uh, friends, you know, it, it just, it's just, it's all been genuine. You know, we, yes, we've had some arguments about things as being upset at each other about something. Uh, but, Uh, Through it all, you know, we weathered all that, you know, we, all our families and our children, they all know each other. Uh, They've been a part of this journey as well. Uh, And to be here in Cleveland, (laughs) some back from 74 to this day, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. So, uh, you know, I always thank God and uh, thank the uh, work ethic that I have that, I've been able to stay here in Cleveland and be a part of Cleveland, be a part of the Cleveland scene, to be a part of the Cleveland fabric. That's the thing that I think of when I think about Cleveland and think about my teammates that I played with and, and how all of those guys are still here too. You know, yeah. Bingo Smith is still here. Yeah. Um, Barry Clemens is still here. Uh, Elmore Smith is still here. Larry Nance, Larry Nance Sr. is here, you know? So I think that speaks volumes to, you know, the city of Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavalier organization and how we have all been taken in and adopted, you know? And so that's, that's the thing. When I think about Cleveland, I, uh, I just think of it in that way that this has been um, a great town for me. And it's been a great town for all of us.
2: Yeah, Austin, I drove two hours in a snowstorm <laughs> for you. Uh, what have you done for me, pal? <laughs> yeah?
1: That's like lifetime beers on Austin car Lifetime years. beers <laughs> on
3: Austin car and, and 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 the other thing, you know, with uh, Jim Jones, and and I and I gotta just say a little bit, you know, but uh, I don't know how he may feel about this, but Jim, <laughs> Jim was, you know, uh, a guy that I remember seeing in college, in high school too, as well as at. Michigan. When I got there, Michigan in '71, I think Jimmy played one year and then went into the ABA at that time. But I just remember seeing how active he was around the basket, you know, back in those days, and how quick he was off. He got off his feet, you know, and how he ran and was able to catch the ball and finish and do all those kind of things. But the only thing that he did not was not able to do was to throw a hook left or right hand. (laughs) And he just couldn't have, he was always a turnaround jump shooter and put the ball on the floor and get by you and dunk on you and all that. But he never had a hook. So I remember (laughs) practice one day, we were, you know, we was talking about that, you know, and I said to him, I said, Jimmy, you know, as well as you dance, you know, just dance, you know, because Jimmy was a dancer. I mean, he he really loved to dance. I said, Jimmy, as much as, you all this rhythm you have and you can't throw a hook <laughs> and he just didn't understand the footwork at the time. And so I was showing them, I said, now I don't know how much you guys know about the micron, the mic and drill. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And so it was just a drill like that. Just a simple left, right, yep. you know, left foot, right foot, you know, all that. And I started showing them that. And I said, Jimmy, if you can do this drill and if you can dance, it's nothing but rhythm. That's all it is. It's just rhythm. Right. You know? And he started doing it. And then he started, you know, like, you know, because he got great rhythm. I mean, just great rhythm and great footwork.
2: Oh, I've and, heard those stories. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know, he started, you know, doing it and stuff. And all of a sudden he, started, he said, oh, man, is this all it is? I said, that's all it is, man. It's nothing but rhythm. And you got all the rhythm necessary. You got good soft hands. You got a really good understanding of you know how to play the game. You got a good fall-away jump shot. So this adds to your repertoire, you know, because this jump shot, fall-away jump shot, or turnaround jump shot was almost automatic. Now you add the hook to it, and he became even better in that area, in those areas. But he was always a great rebounder for us. Uh, he was the guy that kind of kept us all, uh, in some respect, I'm gonna use the word on edge. But but, but on the other side of it, he kept us all, you know, kind of, uh, you know, I'm going to say laughing in some respects, but in some respects, you know, he could be really uh, keep everybody on the edge, you know, and do the right thing. So uh, to have that relationship with him and also to have this relationship with Elmore Smith, who he was a guy that really changed a lot. For us, our team back in, i am say about 78, 70, 77, 78, when he came in and was playing the center position and Jim Jones was moved over into the uh, big forward position. When those two guys were on the floor, uh, along with Austin and myself, and I think it might have been Footsie Walker at that, Footsie Walker, that was, that was probably the best, in my opinion, combination of guys that we had on the floor for all those years that I was here. I think that, that was probably our best combination when you had Elmore at the center and yeah. Jimmy all forward and me playing the small forward and Austin playing the two and Footsie Walker running. And, you know, it it was, a, it was a good thing for us at that time.
1: There's a lot of people watching this that were around back then that are just smiling ear to ear right now, just listening to the old names and, and, and you're throwing it back. I do want to fast forward now, uh, and, I, and I want to talk about what you get paid now to talk about, which is the 2022-2023 Cleveland Cavaliers, Campy Russell, the, the, the excitement coming into this year. And then the Cavaliers match the excitement. They get off to a great start. <laughs> Uh, and, and they're playing great ball. They get to January and I don't want to say they didn't play good ball in January, but they were a 500 ball club basically in January. Uh, and, and, and they were a little up and down and they were, they had injuries that were just injury after injury, after injury that they dealt with and and different issues that they dealt with as we sit here on this Tuesday night coming off of back-to-back wins in Indiana and Washington it feels like this Cavaliers team is turning a corner right now. It feels like they're, first of all, it feels like they're healthy. yeah. And second of all, it feels like they are figuring it out. Uh, The way they have played these last three games, Memphis last week, then Indiana and Washington, the last two games, uh, that looks like a ball club that people in Cleveland should be getting really excited about. Do you get that sense from them, Campy? Like they kind of had to go through a little bit of a tough time to kind of figure it out?
3: Well, I, I think the, the, the city of Cleveland really understands who this team is. And I think this team has shown us all that they could be a very good basketball team. Um, and like all good things, you know, you have to work at it. You have to make it happen for yourself as a team. And I think they've done that in terms of just coming together as a group of guys. And I think that's one of the most important things you have to do is come together as, 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 as a team. Uh, And the fact that we have so much talent, young talent on this basketball team, um, you know, and and, and a lot of it I think starts from the backcourt. You know, uh, you look at those, uh, you know, uh, DG, you look at Donovan, you look at uh, Ricky Rubio, uh, uh, Neto, which I I like Neto's game. You know, he's, um, you look at our bigs, you know, those guys are just phenomenal in terms of how they can control the game with their great length mm-hmm. and their will and their will to to do whatever necessary to help this team uh, move forward. And then you look at, you know, a uh, You look at Lamar Stevens. You look at Jetty Osmond. You look at Kevin Love. You look at Dean Wade. Um and then you look at a guy like Ricky Rubio, who for me, when I, you know, I, and, and this is just my opinion about this, for me, I believe Ricky has settled everybody down since he's been on the floor. Yeah. I think this team has finally saw that, hey, it's not about trying to go a hundred miles an hour or 90 miles an hour. It's going at a pace that will allow you to read and react to what the defense is going to do. Sure. And because you go at a speed that is under control, that everything starts falling into place. And I think that's that's what I see happening right now. Things are falling into place because now everybody kind of see that picture of, you don't have to go. It's 100 miles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you can just... 75 and always have another gear if you have to call for it. But when you're just kind of running around, you know, you don't even give the defense the chance to really react to anything. And then when you go too fast, you're not even giving your offensive game a chance to do what's needed to happen. So when I think about this team, I just think this this is a very good basketball team. They got the right attitude. They believe in defending. They believe in uh, closing down the paint. They believe in uh, playing as a group or as a collective. And to me, that's the beauty of this this basketball team. And I think the, the sky is the limit as it relates to just continue to grow, continue to get better, continue to always think this together, team. Absolutely. If, if they keep that attitude and bring that toughness and – and bring that consistency where, like they've been playing the last, I'm gonna say, three or four games. Yeah. Where they have been getting it done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and and the offense is coming along because of just now you see the better spacing out there on the floor now. Yes. Guys, is, again, and I and I just say they've slowed down, you know, and they're taking better pictures and they're seeing things that they haven't seen before because when you go in the hundred, you know how when you're driving a car, you go buy something really quick and you said, what was that? Yeah, right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> we got 82 of these to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> but when you go on the right speed, you kind of see all that. Matter of fact, you see it coming and you're seeing somebody reacting and because they reacted, you're able to do something that will take advantage of the situation. And yeah. for me, that's what I'm beginning to see about this basketball team, and how they are coming together, and how everybody is just in this great place, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that we have a um, coro coming into his own in terms of, you know, feeling comfortable, you know that. Sure. Uh, and, I was, and I was telling somebody that today, just today, and that was. You know, early in, the, early, in the, early in the year, and this is just his third year. Right. Um, it seemed like he was always real tight, you know, like just, just tight, you know. Yes. Because he had a question on his mind about, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing, you know. And when you play basketball, you cannot have that kind of thought. Your thought has to allow you to be free. And that's, what, that's what's going on with him now. He's becoming free. He's becoming, his, his hands are more, you know, his body is more relaxed. You can see yeah. the flow in his body now. You can see the flow in his shot now. Where before it was like, you know, it was like something right. holding them back. Just playing scared, playing scared. I, I'm not going to say scared. Yeah. You know, I'll say not confident.
2: Yeah, that's yeah. You Can't
1: know, be that, that dude is shooting fifty-one. Oh, I'm sorry. Fifty one, he's shooting fifty-one percent from three since January first.
3: And if you look at his body language, if you look at his body, it's softer now. When I say soft, yes. you know, he feels he feels a flow. And once you feel a flow, your confidence goes up and you start thinking. I can make these shots. And now also what we're seeing with him is he slows down. He's, he's not going like this anymore. He's kind of going at a sp- pace that if he got to change direction, he can change direction. If he yeah. got to make a pass, he can make a pass. If he got to stop and go up, he can do that now. Right. So, And I think that speaks volumes to all the work that he has put into his game over these last... No, I'm gonna say three seasons because he's in his third season now. Um, but he's put in the work, and and I think you have to give him kudos to the fact that he has fought through all of the things that yeah. was going on. And I think he's just gonna get better because once you start relaxing and start seeing a better picture and start feeling feeling yourself, and I say when I say feeling yourself, feeling yourself in a good way that you are still thinking this team yeah, making the right plays. When the shot come, I got to take this shot. When the drive come, I got to drive. If somebody come to me, I got to kick this ball to somebody else. You know, as long as you can make those kind of reactive moves and reactive motions, everything falls into place. And I think that's what's going on with this team now. And I just say a lot of it has to do with our system. But a lot of it, in my opinion, has to do with Ricky Rubio yeah. out there on the floor. And our guards are seeing that, that you know something? You don't have to go that fast. Yeah. Just get by somebody. Be under control. Draw people to you. And now you can make that other pass. Now swing, swing, and somebody's wide open. Or somebody's wide open and drive into the basket and keep the pressure on you. So that's what I see now. I'm excited about this team because – and i know this is a small sample size over the last 3 or 4 games but the fact that they're playing the way they're playing they now have more confidence and feel better about themselves as a team and i i, I don't think they've ever given you know had any doubts about how good they are but one thing for sure you have to prove it to yourselves that we be a high-level basketball team, and I think they're moving in that direction. I love
1: this comment from Eric Evans in the comments. Slow is smooth, and smooth is fast. Uh, and and I don't want people to, to get worried because even though the Cavs are playing a little slower and in control, maybe 75%, that doesn't mean Jetty Osman isn't going to go one time a game, one on four on a fast
3: break. That's He's okay. still going to do it once a game. That's, so. that's, that's okay. <laughs> and, and the thing about that is, I think that the team is doing a better job now of advancing the ball, throwing the ball up the floor to yes. somebody, you know, throw the ball up some, but you know, but, but for me, always, when I look at basketball, I always say, anytime you have an opportunity to get a basket, you get a basket. Yes. Oh, and that means throwing the ball up the floor to somebody who can catch the ball and finish. Give it to them. If that means throwing the opportunity and then they, they make another pass, give it to them make the next pass, you know? So, And I think that's where they're going now. And that, and and just watching them the last three or four games, it's been beautiful basketball again. Campy, I
1: did want to bring up one thing. I know Chad had a couple things that he wanted to ask uh, before we before we let you get out of here. And this has been awesome. Campy Russell, uh, again, you can catch him on the pre- and post-game show on Bally, Cavaliers legend. The, the other news of the week, and I want to get this from kind of a player's point of view, Campy. The news of the week that came out that said, at this point, at least uh, the Cavaliers and Kevin love have come to an understanding that he's just kind of out of the rotation. Uh, And again, this is a Kevin love. That's been an all-star many times, Kevin love that such an integral part of this team. The, the, the fact that we've won a championship here, he stays here, goes through a lot in his personal life, comes back better uh, from it. Uh, But this year, whether it's the injury to his thumb or whatever else is going on, uh, that Kevin Love, outside of the fact that he's, he's still leading the team in rebounding, by the way, 10 rebounds a game <laughs> is Kevin Love. Uh, the shot hasn't been there for Kevin Love. He's not been effective uh, offensively where they need him. And, and it sounds like they had a conversation with him that said, hey, listen, as of right now, we got to see what some of these other guys are bringing from a player's perspective. Hey, if you're in that locker room with them and you know that and Kevin Love handles it like a pro, what does it mean for for kind of the, the psyche of the team? What can he still bring to the team? And and from Kevin Love's perspective, I mean, how difficult is that conversation to have?
3: Are you talking about the organization having that conversation with him? I'm not I'm not really aware of that, that they've had that kind of conversation with him.
1: Yeah, so so there was a report that came out this week uh, that uh, that uh, Kevin Love and it and it showed Kevin Love hasn't played any minutes uh, uh, even even in the last couple games that were blowouts uh, that Kevin Love right now is out of out of the rotation uh, that they've that they've informed him of that. So uh, again, well, I don't know if that's been passed on, but
3: I I, I don't I, I don't absolutely know that, but I do know this about Kevin that Kevin will be will do whatever is necessary to still be a part of this team as long as he wearing that uniform on him. Um, I think, you know, he's the kind of guy that what I believe is the kind of guy that, uh, will still still be, or will, or is a big part of this basketball team, you know, spiritually, you know, mentally, you know, uh, all the elements, you know, he's a part of this team, you know, so, um, I, at, at this point I don't want to speak to you know what sure. possibly could happen or all that I don't want to get into that but I do know Kevin has impacted this team uh this year and he impacted last year He has impacted ever since he's been here yeah. from the time he came over from Minnesota and to be, still be a holdover um you know I think that's a beautiful thing and, and another side of it is you know if they decide to go in a different direction in terms of playing, you know, Dean Wade and the other guys, you know, that's what, that's part of the NBA. You know, that's, you know, we all come <laughs> and we surely all will leave, you know. I don't know, Campy, you look like you'd still be out there. You look like you could still be out there playing a little bit. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I said, I, you know, something I, when people tell me that the first thing I always say is this. Nothing good can happen to you playing basketball after 50 years old. Okay? Nothing. Okay? <laughs> I've had mantra for for as long as I can remember because when I started playing basketball or thinking I was going to be able to be a basketball and play at this high level, I said, I'm going to play basketball until I'm 50. And then I'm never playing again for no, for no reason. So whenever I hear people talk about man, you can still, you look good, you can still play. I said, man, get out of here. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let this thing here. Right. Get, get the rest of my body in trouble. Because <laughs> my body tells you, say, hey, look, if you go out there, I'm going to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. What are you doing? Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I always say, anybody that speaks to that, and I look at them and I say, Man, there's nothing good yeah. <laughs> to be playing basketball after 50. My probably, It should be probably about 40, but, you know, we all still think we can do things at 40, 45. We still think we're the guy that's 25. Hey. But once you get 50, leave it alone.
2: Hey, the training techniques today, uh, you might, might have helped. <laughs>
3: play, no, you play get golf, LeBron, you get golf, and that's Le- it.
2: Golf. LeBron might play. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: uh, maybe.
2: Um, All right, We wanted to end with some some fun stuff, Uh, you know, just some fun quick hitting stuff before we let you out of here. You know, you played, you know, back in the 70s with some of just the all time greats, Kareem, Elvin Hayes, Pistol Pete, Walt Frazier, Bob McAdoo. I mean, the list goes on and on is you played with and against these guys. Is there any like are there any stories from like either on the floor or off the floor that stick out about some of these guys whether you were like we're playing against them is there any story that, that you can
3: tell that you can tell <laughs> that that stick out for you that uh you know when you start you know telling stories you know I'm not a, I'm not a good storyteller really okay I, you know that's not that's that's just just that's just not who I am Sure, sure but uh, but, but for the most part you know those years were so competitive. And there was so much talent, just like right now. There's so much talent in this league now. You know, it's the same way back in the '70s and the '80s when I played. It was just a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the 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 uh, the, okay. the most. The, 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 I'm trying not to tell this story, but. Um, <laughs> no. I just look at well. <laughs> I just look at how competitive it's, it's been. Sure.
2: Sure. Okay.
3: And, you know, normally people will say, well, who was the best player? Who was the toughest player that you had to guard against? Guard or, or they had to guard you? you no, know, they, they normally ask me those kind of questions. I can yeah. tell kind of stories. But in terms of stories about situations and players and that kind of stuff, I, for me, I just try to stay away from that. You know? I got you. I got how you. About, how about I'm this? Finn, you know, or anything like that. But I try to stay away from that kind of stuff.
1: How about this for a fun one? You you came here. You opened up your first year was the first year of Richfield uh, Coliseum. You were a, a Cavalier in the in the fledgling era. Again, if you're talking to some younger people now, you went and played with the Knicks, and yes. and people still refer to Madison Square Garden as the mecca and and the Knicks and 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 it was I think I, the Knicks remind me of the Browns now, right? Like I feel like younger people now are like, what do you mean t- playing for the Knicks is some legendary thing? Because it's yeah. not like that anymore. It's not like that anymore. Right. But Man, that first time you threw on a Knicks jersey and walked out the tunnel as a Knick at Madison Square Garden,
3: what what was that like? Now, for me, that was – now, I can tell some story about those guys. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. All right. laughs> I can tell some story about those guys because the thing that I think about when I think about that Knicks team was really just going there, you know, and playing, being having the opportunity to play uh, in New York. And the thing that I loved about that team was the fact that we had a legendary coach in terms of red hoseman you know, the gentleman that dressed up like a businessman and, you know, all he needed was a, uh, I'm going to say a briefcase. And you have thought he was a lawyer or something. Just selling but, you in some insurance. Exactly. Exactly. But, but, but that, that, those teams, that team I was on the had Michael Ray Richardson, uh, Ray Williams, the late Ray Williams, the late Marvin Wester, uh, Bill Cartwright, Sly Williams, uh, Mike Glenn, myself, um, that was probably, I would say, one of the most talented teams that I've ever played with, you know, uh, particularly that backcourt and then the bigs with Marvin Webster, who was seven feet and they had um, Bill Cartwright that was seven foot at that time, small forward, Sly Williams and I. And um, that was the most interesting team I've been on because the first year I was there, (laughs) we were – 52 and 30. Yeah. Okay. 52 and 30. And (laughs) the next year, because we lost in the playoffs against the Chicago Bulls, we had Artis Gilmore and they had a good team and, uh, Reggie Theus and they had a really good team and they beat us, even though we beat them, I think four or five times during the course of the year. Uh So we play them and they, and they sweep us in a three game series. Cause back then it was a five game. It was best of five three game series okay. and the media was on us all year long about, we wasn't a bet. We, we should have been a better rebounding team. And so we went 52 games, lose 30 the very next year. They made some changes. They traded Ray Williams to the nets. We brought in the late Maurice Lucas. Uh, we bought, brought in Paul Westfall, And we went from being, because of the chemistry thing, and chemistry is everything in sports, basketball. We went from having great chemistry to being so disjointed that we went from 52 and 30 to 30 and 52. Just Just like that. Oh, man. Just like that, because the chemistry was bad. Michael Ray Richardson, who was one of our best players, did not like, Paul Westfall. Oh no. Not, he did not like, uh, Randy Smith who was there with us as well. You know, he did not like Maurice Lucas because all those people came in to replace Ray. Did,
2: did and, anyone speak up? Was everyone like, what, what are we doing? What are you doing here?
3: Hey, that was back in the day. Now you can't complain. That's true, That's, true. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, true. Not like this time where you can, you know, uh, <laughs> You know, flex your muscles. Flex your financial muscles.
2: Right.
3: <laughs> you know, so, but that, you know, that was a, a really a, a good team that played on. And before we go, the last thing I'll say about any of this is we were the guinea pigs. And I, and I, and I always use this word. We were the guinea pigs for how they're flying now. Yes. New York in 79. We were the, the guinea pigs or the mice. And what I mean by that we were, we were chartering at that particular time, you know, we would uh, fly just the way they are flying now with the exception that it wasn't catered food that was on the airport, on the airplane. It was, it was box uh, box lunches, but we were the Guinea pigs of that. And I don't think any of us liked it at that particular time because it was something new, you know, you would play the game. You would get back in the plane and fly to the next city, and you would get in there at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, go to bed, and -and so-and-so. You know, all that's going on. So we were the guinea pigs. We were the original guys that was doing that. And to this day, because of us, they're doing what they're doing now, and that's probably the best thing that's ever happened to the (laughs) sport, particularly the NBA.
1: So when you talk to all the current NBA players, we should all be like, send Campy Russell a (laughs) thank-you note. Yeah. For the luxury that you travel in now, because he paved the way for you. Along yeah. with along with 11 other guys. And he had to bring his own Big Mac on those flights. Yeah. He had to bring yeah. his own Big Macs. He, he,
2: he deserves a vacation on a G40 down to the Cayman Islands. Yeah, I'll take right. it. I'll, <laughs>
1: all right, Campy Russell, this was awesome. We really appreciate you taking the time to join us for a bit tonight on this Tuesday night. The, the people loved it. Uh, we're getting a lot of comments, uh, just saying they loved it. They love you. Uh, they love watching you, uh, uh night in and night out with the Cleveland Cavaliers and, uh, and what you've done for this organization Fi- almost 50 years. I'm not going to age you, but 49, 49 years,
3: you know, something that 50 don't bother me at all. It shouldn't, there you know, what I, you know, what I want to do is just continue to do what I do for years to come because physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, I, I know I can do it. So for me, hey, this has been the best thing that ever happened to me, truly, being here in the city of Cleveland and being a part of the fabric of Cleveland, being a part of the of, – of, consider the family person, family member to all the people in this Northeast Ohio area because uh, that's just how Cleveland is. And i really enjoyed it and will continue to enjoy it. Uh, we love it.
1: And we feel blessed and lucky to have you, uh, whether it was on the court or whether it's behind the microphone. Now you can catch Campy before and after Cavaliers games. You can catch him on the sidelines for some games, uh, doing a little bit of everything on the broadcast team. Campy Russell, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We look forward to your calls and, and go Cavs.
3: Thanks guys. I appreciate you very much. And Hey, I had a great time. Thank you guys for being uh, continue to call and try to make this happen. So I'm glad it happened. And Hey guys. Have a good
2: evening. Hey, let's do it again sometime, Campy, huh?
3: Just let me know anytime.
2: Beautiful. Thank you, Campy. Thanks, Thanks
1: Campy. That's Campy Russell, former Cleveland Cavaliers. You heard there. Man, what a great... He said he's not good at telling stories. I loved his stories. Yeah, t- I thought yeah, he was he great was. at telling stories. Yeah. Telling stories about his time with the Cavs. Telling stories about his time with the Knicks. Well, like with Walt uh, Frazier.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I, think, I think Walt Frazier, Every time I've seen him around at the arena, I think he's still wearing the same plaid suits from the '70s too. Oh, I love that's great. With, you got a the heels it. with the fish tanks at the bottoms, or wait, maybe that might be different.
1: <laughs> uh very cool. Your comments were really cool there, uh, Campy Russell. What a great guy. And, and and whether you were around to watch Campy, which we weren't, <laughs> nope. or whether you weren't, nope. you know, Campy Russell. Uh, and, and I love what he talked about with the the family element of Cleveland and and kind of what that means uh, to him. So uh, super shout-out there to Campy Russell. Thank you very much for him for his time, and we'll definitely get him back on uh, uh, to talk a little bit more Cavaliers down the road. All right, Chad, let's move on. Uh, we are okay. going to get into our Super Bowl preview. You, you guys have noticed, by the way, that Joey's not here. I don't think we're going to see Joey for a while, uh, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Joey's not leaving the podcast by any stretch of the imagination, but he is for a bit. He's going on a bit of a hiatus. Uh, his nah, wedding nah,
2: let's cut the dead weight get him out of here no
1: no his <laughs> wedding is in a few weeks and uh life is just crazy for him so i don't think we're gonna see joey until uh, I bet probably it's mid-march uh that we see joey next after the wedding and then honeymoon and all that kind of stuff but you know what i still want everybody to be blowing up we're, we're gonna do this when it was time when, it was, when it's time for his wedding, I want everybody just blowing up Joey's like social medias and stuff.
2: Uh, he's not so going to see it. He only checks it
1: every once in a century. <laughs> that's all right. We're going to get him to do it. So Yeah, okay. Uh, I just didn't want everybody to think something was wrong. Again, Joey's not going to be around for a little bit, but that's all right, because he's got something awesome going on, getting married, uh, looking forward to going down there. But, uh, Chad, let's move on. Uh, okay. Before we get into our Super Bowl preview, let's do one of our favorite segments of the week. Let's do our asshole of the week, uh, where we just call somebody out. Yeah. It's not him an asshole. Who is the, who's the opposite of a campy Russell? Yeah. Somebody that's just kind of an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Chad, why don't you start?
2: Give me, uh, give me, give me somebody who's kind of an
1: asshole this week.
2: Yeah, sure. Kyrie Irving. Um,
1: All right, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Pause. What? Because let's just make this a discussion that because my asshole of the week is a thousand percent Kyrie Irving. Yeah,
2: I mean, he's my asshole of the week for uh, deleting his apology, his IG apology for, mm. for posting that link uh, for, for the movie. Uh, and he, this is also a preemptive asshole of the week for whatever team he ruins next after this, after this season, well, it's Dallas, it's Dallas. Well, no. well, the thing is there's only like a few, couple months left in the season. Usually like he gives it about four or five months before he decides to become a cancer. So it's like, he's going to be fine the rest of the season, but whatever team he ends up with next, uh, he's gonna, he's gonna implode them. So yeah, here we go. Let's go! Yeah, Kyrie Irving. I don't, I don't remember who.
1: I don't. God, yeah, he, he, he's my ass all the week too. I I don't get it. I don't. Well, I do get it. I do get it. I don't remember who said it. I was watching it on TV. Maybe it was Tony Kornheiser. I don't remember who it was. Somebody said, and they were very clear. He said, "Let's be clear. Kyrie Irving is the worst teammate of all time." <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and I can't disagree with that. And yeah. I get what it is. And and Kyrie. What's going to happen is a bunch of people are going to talk some shit about Kyrie and he's going to get all mad and he's going to get he's going to get defensive and he's going to do all kinds of shit. But you know what the fact is? Every time something isn't perfect for Kyrie Irving, he runs away from it. Mm -hmm. It's what he's done his entire career. Uh Think of what they had here. But Kyrie thought that he was living in LeBron's shadow and he didn't deserve to be in LeBron's shadow. So I'm going to run away. And then he got to Boston and things weren't perfect in Boston and it wasn't the perfect situation or or, he couldn't stay. He couldn't stay healthy. Right. And he ran away. Right. And then he went down to to Brooklyn and they tried to put him together with with Harden and and Durant. And that didn't work. So then they traded Harden to bring in uh, what's his face that has not worked. Ben uh, Simmons. Ben Simmons, who I thought was going to be pretty good there, but he has not been good at all.
2: What an uh, amazing what an, by, by the way, can we pause it for a just second? Just runs away. Can we pause for a second? By yeah, the way, what an amazing collection of all of the head cases in today's NBA on that Brooklyn, on that Brooklyn Nets team. Between no. Hart, between Simmons, between Durant, and between now Kyrie. Like, what an amazing collection of of just yeah, just all of the the head cases. It is certainly,
1: I, I have to tell you, I look at Kevin Durant in a totally new like I feel like Kevin Durant's just like what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I think so, too. I feel like Kevin Durant. I feel like I don't put him in. Uh, like, for a minute there, when he was doing burner accounts on Twitter, Headcase City. I don't I don't think he is that anymore. I think that dude just out there trying to play basketball and winning. He's just constantly surrounded with shit.
2: I knew it. I'm surrounded constant by bullshit. By ass- I'm surrounded by assholes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's baseball squibs. Uh Every time something isn't perfect for Kyrie Irving, he runs away. He he demands trades. He demanded a trade. And 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 it should tell you something. It should tell you something that his teams like look at Brooklyn. How about Pat Shea says, Cheers to Joseph? I think it's Cy. I'm bad with pronunciation. Uh, the owner of the Nets. Cheers to him for just getting rid of him. Yeah. What does that say about Kyrie? That Kyrie's like, I demand a trade. And they're like, fuck, yeah, okay. Yeah, go. Okay, bye. Good, go. go. go Take it easy. And 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 I, and I don't even love the trade. For either team, really, I don't love what Kyrie's about to do upon Dallas. Kyrie does Dallas, and I and I I don't ah, think there was just this ew. massive return. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie's fine and uh, okay.
2: They might still trade him though. The reports coming out are they're yeah. still trying to like flip oh, yeah. him for something. They've got to, uh, yeah. and I know
1: they got I think a couple first round picks that happen in like 2029 and 2027 down the road, which is going to be sweet then. But like the fact that Brooklyn was just like, yeah, fuck. Oh, okay, man. We know you want to be traded because life isn't just absolutely perfect for you. I just, to me, I feel like I'm not here to tell anybody what to do when it comes to Kyrie's off the court stuff. And and again, he deflected, he did this again. I think today he deflects. Everybody just wants to talk about my off the court stuff. No, frankly, we're all tired of talking about your off the court stuff. I don't give a shit that you're a flat earther. I don't give a shit that you think Kanye West is a genius. I don't give a shit that you love conspiracy theories and think you're smarter than everybody. I don't give a shit about any of that because none of that matters. Right. It's not the off the court stuff. It's the in the locker room stuff. That's what he doesn't talk about. He thinks there's on the court and off the court. No, there's on the court, in the locker room, off the court, and it's in the locker room where he's a problem.
2: Right. Well, yeah. It's it's
1: nonsense.
2: And he has no idea. But when he was here, okay, Full disclosure, you know, I work for a specific place down in the arena and where I work directly with players. And Kyrie was was the worst secret, the worst, the worst. Player I've ever had to deal with in my lifetime. And I think that's why. And and I'm I'm kind of glad in a way that like everybody else has been seeing what what we what we saw (laughs) those first few years, because on the court, I, I mean, he's he's one of the best. He's one of the yeah. best. Yeah. One of the best handles of all time. One of the best players of all time. He should be a Hall of Fame player. He should be a Hall of Fame player. But my God, everywhere else, like he's spoken the third person a lot. Oh. <laughs> he's spoken the third person a lot.
1: Well, that yeah. alone makes you the asshole of the week.
2: Yeah, and and just 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 made my job so much harder than it actually was was supposed to be. And I just I I hated him from the jump. And I just I and, and I'm so glad everybody else is seeing it now because this just validates everything I've been feeling. Because just, people looked at me for years like I was crazy, <laughs> and the bridge
1: burning, Chad. Like I, I can never get the the scene out of my head of when he finally decided to show up and play in Cleveland. Maybe he was still with Boston. Maybe it was, maybe it was Brooklyn. I don't remember, but I don't know. Some fan was yelling at him in the from the front row, and normally I'll take the player side on that kind of stuff. But yeah. when he pops back and he's like, "Everything I've done for this city, man," yes, we should. We should. We should talk about Kyrie the way we talk about J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert and Mozgov and 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 Channing Frye and Richard Jefferson mm-hmm. and all these guys that were Delhi that won Mo Williams that won a championship for Cleveland. Tim- Timofey Mozgov, but instead, instead, he leaves. He talks shit about the city the minute he leaves when he, he goes to ball. It's it's great to finally be in a t- in a city that knows about sports.
2: But it was and that then, right and there. Then, he, like, it was that right there why people aren't thanking him.
1: And then he gets, and then he, somebody says something to him in Cleveland. And he turned oh, for everything I did for you, bitch. <laughs> Cleveland was the city that drafted you first overall, oh, even though you only played 13 games in college and then you got injured. Cleveland yeah. was the team that put you in a position to be where you got and to win a championship and all of right. that. Don't right. act like it was just this thing that you loaded oh. us onto your back and carried us to a championship. Yeah. No, there was a lot that went into that. And then he leaves Boston and talks shit about Boston. It's only a matter of time before he's talking shit about Brooklyn. It's only a matter of time before he's talking shit b- before he's unhappy that Luca gets final shots in the game. It just uh, the city of
2: Cleveland, what an man. asshole. The city of Cleveland is like the Bundy's. Okay. Internally, we all hate each other, but if you mess with us, an outsider messes with us, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You will feel the wrath. Of our city. (laughs) Uh, It
1: just, it's, to me, it's very unfortunate. We talked about Kevin Love a little bit. I feel bad that I kind of surprised Campy Russell with that question, but uh, uh, we talked about Kevin Love a little bit. Kevin Love, the guy's number is going to get retired here, as it should. Uh, These guys should have a statue. There should be one collective team statue somewhere for these guys.
2: But if you you told me. You gave us the one before we died. Yeah. That's that's a thing in this city. But
1: you know what? If you told me, if you told me, you know what? Kyrie Irving has just gone. He's just done so much that we're just not going to do this with him. I'd be like, fine. Yeah. And that shouldn't be out. The dude hit the biggest shot in the history of the the franchise. Right. The dude was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Even when they sucked. When his rookie year, it was fun to go watch the Cavs because he was so fun to watch. Right. And everything else. And again, I don't care about his off off the court stuff. Do your thing, man. You want to be weird? Be weird. It's cool. Right. Right. It's that middle ground stuff, the stuff that actually affects your team. Right. That's the shit that it just completely negates a lot of what he did. A lot of what, maybe not everything, because he still did hit that shot. He still hit that shot, but a lot of what he did. So thanks for the
2: ring. Now go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah. Total asshole of the week. So Uh, so Kyrie traded uh, over to Dallas. That's going to be real interesting. Uh, On paper. You put Kyrie with Luca. I think that's great. I mean, I think Luca was kind of your point guard, mm-hmm. so yeah. that's going to be interesting to see how that all goes. But again, you can't have too much talent on a team. Uh, but somebody said it here, uh, Uncle John. Mark Cuban isn't going to put up with that bullshit. He didn't. He ain't going to put up with that kind of crap, or he's or he's going to hide it, or he's going to hide it better than other places have.
2: I'm going to say it depends on what the, depends on what he's doing for the team at the moment. But like just, I said that feels he's, like a powder keg. It feels like he's going to be fine. Honestly, these last 3 months of the season, he's going to be fine. It takes him some time to become the cancer. He's he's he, like he's got to he's got to start at stage 1 and then just grow and then just spread. And that and and he's going to spread throughout a locker room, whatever locker room that is, and eventually it's going to implode. And Kyrie yeah. Irving is is Luca is going to start to resent Dallas for making this trade and Luca's going to want to leave. So uh, that's how much of a cancer Kyrie Irving is.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, great basketball talk, whether it was with Campy or that little, that little asshole of the week thing. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, but let's move on. It's Super Bowl week, Chad. Yeah. Super Bowl week. Uh, it's finally here. Sunday afternoon football. We got the Chiefs, or I guess evening football. We got the Chiefs. We got the Eagles. Uh, and And Chad, are you excited? Like, are, are, you, are you are you getting excited? We talked about this a little bit. Andrew and I last night on Unscripted talked about this a little bit. Are you excited? Like, are you getting pumped to watch the Super Bowl?
2: Mm, I mean, I don't think I get excited uh, for the Super Bowl. I just, wa- I do want to see a good game, but I don't get, I'm not like, oh, ho, ho, baby, the Super Bowl. No, like, but I do want to watch, I like to watch it and I want to see a good game. Yeah, I do, but I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself hyped up for the Super Bowl.
1: What do we think are, like, the best storylines here? Like, obviously, the Kelsey brothers going at it. That's going to be fun. It's going to be fun watching. You know you know they're going to have a camera fixated on the parents uh, in the stands. Uh, the Kelsey family, again, the, the Cleveland Kelsey family. Yeah. Uh, that'll be fun from, from a Cleveland perspective. It's a weird thing because the city of Cleveland loves those dudes, right?
2: Yeah. Uh
1: huh. Like these are guys that come to Cavs games.
2: I love these it. guys. I, oh God, I love it when famous people don't forget where they come from, especially, uh, in especially in Cleveland.
1: <laughs> yeah, like you'll see Travis, Jason. You'll see him at Cavs games. You'll see him. Yeah. You see him at Guardians games. Uh, they still love the fact that they're from Cleveland Heights, from this city. Uh, so that you know, a little special moment for all of us in Cleveland because we don't, we don't ever get to watch our team in the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So. I also think like the fan base thing is pretty cool. Like these are two really good fan bases.
2: Yeah. Right. Well, like, Kansas
1: City fans are awesome, and Philly fans are Philly fans.
2: I mean, depends uh, on it depends on what you define as 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 awesome, I guess. Like, I mean, let me, well,
1: let, let me put it this way: I think jumping through tables is overrated. Yeah, I think that's overrated. What about
2: eating dog shit, horse shit on the street?
1: Or super overrated. <laughs> but again, but again, we have a guy that did that.
2: Uh, yeah but i mean he copied off of it i mean he copycatted it
1: yep sure did he was like hey that sounded cool i'll do that yeah (laughs) that's even worse i don't know i you know philly fans (laughs) philly fans are rabid as hell
2: no they're Uh, very rabid yeah in in good and bad ways yeah
1: and then you got chiefs fans i i don't know these got these got to be two of the top 10 fan bases in football right
2: yeah i mean in in the nfl sure in the NFL, I would say yes. they're they're, they're, uh, the, yes. they're the more rabid. I'm
1: not comparing people. them to Ohio State like that. we're talking about the Super Bowl, Chad.
2: Uh, no, but, uh, I know, but yeah, but Kansas City, <laughs> uh, honestly, Kansas City, one of the loudest stadiums I've ever been in. Uh, when when they sing that national anthem and, and the whole crowd, like the whole every seat in the stadium is full for the national anthem, so they can go and the home of the Chiefs, like the, like eighty thousand people just screaming Chiefs. And it's amazing. It's one of the best atmospheres uh in the NFL. So yeah, yeah, these fan bases are great. But I don't know, as far as storylines, yeah, of course there's the brothers. Uh I I mean, Jalen Hurts, can he finish? Can he finish this? Because I mean he he basically went from he basically went from a, a meddling quarterback. <laughs> what is that? Reading glass. <laughs> I mean, he basically went from a mid-level quarterback to 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 a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, thanks to Nick Sirianni. Uh so yeah, I mean, can he can can he finish the story? Can he finish the the comeback? Because people were talking about Jalen Hurts not being the quarterback of this team for the future and what he's done and what he's done this season is, is nothing short of amazing. Uh Patrick Mahomes, uh, I think there's a lot of speculation around him that he could be uh the next Brady. He needs to start winning more Super Bowls because you know, as long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, they're gonna find themselves in this position in more times than not, or at least in the AFC Championship. So I mean, can Patrick Mahomes start to cement his legacy with the second Super Bowl? But uh, on the other side of that, if he loses this Super Bowl, is he is he Russell Wilson? Is he is he one? Is he, he going to be that quarterback? Wait that can, a minute, not not wait a minute, not athletic wise, not <laughs> athletic wise, okay. dangerous? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's so many toilets. Oh my God, have you ever doing ever doing anything dangerous? Uh. Uh. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm I'm saying as far as getting to the big game, but can't can't win him. can't win them. You, know, you know he's you'll be one and two in Super Bowls if he loses this Super Bowl. So yeah, I think I think those are a couple storylines.
1: Yeah, sure. I love that you brought up. Uh, there's been things that I've I experienced as well. You've gone to a lot of stadiums and seen it. I, lo- I love some of the tradition sports teams have, like during the anthem, but then some of them are really bad, right? Like the Dallas Stars, great. Dallas Stars are great. Every time there's two times the national anthem talks about stars. And every time they do the the crowd yells stars and it's yeah. great. It's when that place is full and the team's pretty good, yeah. that's goosebumps worthy. Yeah. On the other hand, go to a Baltimore Orioles game and when they say oh, everybody yells oh, but it just sounds like they're all kind of moaning moaning. Uh, they're, they're like, oh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're like, wait a minute. That's this awesome. is
1: not good. Like that's terrific. You're either in immense pleasure or immense pain. It sounds like both. Uh, any other good ones? Are there any yeah. other good ones you've you've been a BDS, part of? BDSM or... Maybe, <laughs> or maybe maybe both. Maybe both. <laughs> Listen, you do you. You do you. you want to be weird. <laughs> like I said with Kyrie? You want to be weird? Just be weird. It's fine.
2: Yeah. Seriously. Um. No. I. I don't really think there's there's anything. I mean. Well. Uh, I mean. Andy Reid facing his old team, winning a Super Bowl against his yeah. old team. Yeah. There's a storyline for you. Uh, Love that. I mean, I mean, it's basically built both of these teams. I mean, before I. I heard, I can't remember. I, I did hear a stat, but I can't remember exactly what it was, but how, but how bad the Eagles were before Andy Reed got there. And then Andy Reid turned them into a winner and the same goes with the Chiefs. So just how uh, of, much of a hall of fame coach he is for sure. Uh, so can he beat his old team? But after that, I, I don't really, I can't really think of any, mean, if fact. anybody's got any in the comments, mention them.
1: PS, have you seen some of the shit questions that have been asked in this, like, uh, media availability? Uh, Somebody asked Nick Sirianni which player on the Eagles he would let his daughter date. Oh, God. Nick Sirianni's daughter's five. Oh, God. And he responded with, my daughter's five. Shut your mouth. Who? (laughs) That, I'm sitting here. What is that? I'm sitting here in my lovely basement in North Ridgeville, Ohio. (laughs) And that asshole's covering the Super Bowl? That guy got a credential to go ask that question. Who would what you who le- would you let your daughter date on the Eagles? <laughs> that's a that's a bullshit, terrible question. No yeah. matter what, I don't <laughs> there's not that's not even a fun question. It's not even like something funny can come from that. Uh, on a lesser note,
2: did you see the one about Jalen Hurts?
1: Too. Well, that, I was getting to that one. The, the, yeah. Then then you've got then you've got the reporter that comes up. Oh, I was so cringeworthy. The reporter that comes up and says, A lot of people, myself included, didn't think that you could ever lead this team to a Super Bowl. And Jalen Hurts was like, or, or he, no, he said, I will admit that I didn't think you could lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts was like, Well, you and a lot of other people. And he was like, Man to man. Yeah. Man to man. Man to man.
2: Jalen was like, Cool.
1: Yeah. I just, I just want to say that I was wrong. And Jalen Hurts yeah. was like, okay. Yeah. And somebody on, I saw somebody on Twitter compare it to, uh, there's a Cleveland guy that did something very similar to Jacoby Brissett this year. There's a Cleveland reporter that nobody likes that did something very similar to Jacoby Brissett that was like, I didn't think you could be any good. And Jacoby Brissett was like, cool.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what, are you what do say? you want me to say? What do you say to that?
1: <laughs> I am sitting here in my basement and these people have credentials to cover the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, sorry, I'm not worried about what Tony Grossi thinks Whoa. at all. Whoa. 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 Careful, he's gonna block
1: us all on Twi- Oh wait, I'm already, I'm already blocked.
2: I would actually brag about that. Is the one block I would actually brag about. Like I don't, I don't get it why when people are you brag, not blocked? I, I, don't interact with him. I don't interact with him at all. I don't know that I've ever interacted, but I'm blocked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I no, I, would, I, block one I don't time. get it why I don't get it when people flex about blocking people. But like, Ooh. yeah, if if he blocked me, I would be like, look everybody look look i did it <laughs> yeah, i'm one yeah. of you today's a
1: win oh god I, just some of that. and see and, and then that's when i'm like that's when i'm like you wonder why these people spaz out at press conferences you wonder why players and coaches roll their eyes when they've got to interact with these stupid fucking questions <laughs> because they're trying to get ready for the biggest moment of their entire lives they're trying to get ready for the super bowl nick sirianni has done something that he only could have dreamed of doing taking the Philadelphia Eagles to the Super Bowl. Yeah. And he's got to sit there and listen to who which guy or two would you let your daughter date? <laughs> the fuck? I might have exploded. I'm I probably would have been all over the internet with that. I'd have been I, not because like I don't I think there's anything in a pro, you know, like I I don't think there's any harm meant by the question. Right. But like you are here to cover the Super Bowl. Right. And you can't ask me like listen, there's cute things that happen shooter? some some Sometimes they send like a kid reporter in and it's cute. Or sometimes yeah. somebody asks like a meaningful question that doesn't really have anything to do with football, but it means I think they asked Tom Brady about his dad at some point. Oh, I think a kid did that. I asked him who his hero was and he said his dad and he got yeah. real emotional. It didn't have anything to do with football, but that was a cool moment. And then you have these nutsacks.
2: Well, that's a kid, yeah. A no kid.
1: wonder. No wonder these guys act the way they do and explode at the media the way they do. Because you have morons like this that are doing that on uh, the Super Bowl. Right. Right this isn't it's it's like everybody wants to be like barstool right right and and barstool does their own thing and and no offense because they're really good at what they do but like when you're covering the super bowl what are you doing right oh oh and that's the secondary asshole of the week are those questions
2: i mean my daughter has been married like three times now in kindergarten but divorced once uh congrats. yeah yeah thank god got rid of that guy uh (laughs) but there's two more in the fold so yeah, she getting an
1: alimony or anything, or
2: not that I know of. She's <laughs> pretty much the alpha in those relationships. So. All right, all right.
1: So, Chad, uh, listen, I, I'm with you. Uh, I think the Super Bowl, I, I, you know, to be really honest with you, this is the first time I've really thought about the Andy Reid Philadelphia Eagles thing. Yeah, he's been gone for so long, I just didn't think about it. But he took them to the Super Bowl when they lost to the Patriots, right? In I think 2005, right? Six, something like that,
2: right? Uh, so, when Donovan McNabb TO, yes, so um, you've got.
1: You got Hurts versus Mahomes. Mahomes, two weeks to rest up that ankle. That's dangerous. Very nice. uh, you've got uh neither team's particularly great at running the ball. Philly definitely has an edge there. Yeah. I think it's funny. I think as good as the as good as the Chiefs are outside of quarterback, I think the Eagles have a lot of advantages offensively.
2: Yeah, I think they do.
1: I think the receivers are better. I think their running backs are better. I think their offensive line is better. Right. They just don't have that quarterback. Uh, defensively. I think the Eagles are a better football team defensively. So I think this is really here's what I think it's interesting, Chad. Yeah, I think this is. You've got a quarterback and a Hall of Fame head coach, a guy that's destined to be a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame head coach. Yeah. Going and, and a good roster and a good roster Yeah, going up against a team where I think the majority of the roster is better.
2: Yeah. No, I agree.
1: What's how big of a difference can those two guys make in that game? So, Chad, real quick before we go to something fun to end the show, yeah, what's your prediction for this?
2: Yeah, Eagles. Uh, I'm going with the Eagles because this Eagles team, uh, very much, I mean, outside of the quarterback, very much reminds me of uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that beat the Chiefs. I mean, this defense is going to be all over. Uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, come this Sunday I mean this is a team that has over 70 sacks crazy on the season so they're, they're they're that's they're they're gonna beat the 85 Bears Mike they're almost to the 85 Bears that's how much pressure this team gets on the quarterback so this team is going to be all over Patrick Mahomes uh, uh, but the thing is and in that game uh, yeah Patrick Mahomes is an elite quarterback like you said future Hall of Famer but there's only so much he's going to be able to do, and if he, especially if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have his full complement of weapons, and I, I don't think that Mikael Hardman is, is going to be playing in this game. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I know, was hobbled a little bit, so if he doesn't have his full complement of weapons, I think this is an easy win for the Eagles. Ooh. But if he does, but if he does, and Patrick Mahomes does have his full complement of weapons, and this uh, Andy Reid schemes uh, schemes up uh, some blocking schemes where. The pressure stays off of Patrick. I think this could be very, very interesting. But my initial, my, my gut feeling says the Eagles are going to win this because between that defense and it's it's the best offensive line in the league. And, you know, it, not a lot of NFL teams, too, are, are are ready to run, are ready, are game planning for the RPO. And that's what Jalen Hurts has done so well and has been so effective with this year. I, I think the Eagles win this game. Uh, straight. I mean, basically, uh, uh, because of, because of the, because when you look at the matchup, if you, if you put everything, like you said before, kind of like, if you put all their matchups, like next to each other, more boxes are checked for the Eagles. No so I just think, I just think they're a better football team right now. It's not a great, this is not a great chief's defense. It's a good chief's defense. It's not a great chief's defense, but it always seems like that whenever they need a, a big play, an incredibly big play, they make it. So I think that's going to be key for the Chiefs, too. But, uh, yeah, initially, my gut feeling is that this is going to be an Eagles win.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I've, I've, I've said it a bunch of times, Chad. There is not an outcome that could happen in this game that would surprise me. Yeah. Eagles yeah. could blow out the Chiefs. Chiefs could blow out the Eagles. Eagles could win a close one. Chiefs could win a close one. There's not an outcome that would surprise me. I think any of those things could happen. Yeah. Literally any of those things. I will put my money where my mouth is. Just a couple dollars because I'm I got kids.
2: Uh and I just went to Disney. Fuck's sake.
1: <laughs> God damn. That's so expensive. Uh I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is, though. I'm gonna put it on the Chiefs. And I think it's because I, I agree with everything. I get, I agree with everything you said, Chad. More boxes are checked on the Eagles side. More boxes are checked over there. I yeah. love the wide receivers. But man, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, man, those guys are killers yeah i that defense i love that defense i love the way they call defense i love everything they do defensively yeah i think patrick mahomes and andy Re- andy reed make that big of a difference yeah i yeah. think they make that big of a difference i think you're talking about i think you're talking about a, a uh a, an eagles team that might almost look surprised at first sure by holy shit look at this team go uh I think the chiefs are are primed and ready for this. I think the chiefs have taken lumps since they won the super bowl. They've lost super bowls. They've lost before super bowls. And I think there's motivation there uh, that I I, I don't know. The Eagles can keep up with. And so while I like the Eagles and I like everything they bring to the table, I think the coach, and this is not, that's not a knock on Sirianni or Jalen hurts, by the way, they've both been phenomenal, Yeah, but they're not Andy Reid And they're not Patrick. (laughs) Yeah. And 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 I think those two guys are the difference. I think they make up for all those other check boxes. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to take the Chiefs, but I think it'll be close.
2: I'll be honest. There's there's a slight bias in it for me to be honest with you because I grew up with Jonathan Gannon, the uh, the uh, defensive coordinator for the Eagles. Sure. <laughs> so he, I mean, he's he's from Cleveland. He grew up in Brooklyn. I played I played travel baseball with Jonathan Gannon <laughs> and his dad. So there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of bias there. Uh, for me. So yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of pulling for the Eagles, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the chiefs can win because if there's some things that the Eagles did not face this year, it's a lot of adversity. So if, if, if the chiefs, if the chiefs uh get out to a fast start, say they get out to like a 21, nothing lead, it's going to be very hard for this Eagles team to come back against Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reed. So I think, I think that is important for the chiefs to, uh, to, to be able to do. If not, if this is a close tight knit game, I, 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 yeah. I think I'm going with the Chiefs. <laughs> I, I our, think I'm going with the Chiefs.
1: Our buddy Brad Ward, we're going to talk about Brad Ward in a minute, but uh, he sure. says it's going to be the Chiefs. Yeah, wow. because I got to talk about the rest of the week, and he's got a sweet show coming up with a friend of ours. So <laughs> we're going to talk about that. All right, Pat Shay, out in California, you're not going to bait me into this bullshit. Andrew tried to bait me into this. Andrew Spade tried to tell me yesterday on uh, 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 Unscripted that, I almost forgot the name of my own goddamn show, uh, Unscripted that, you have to be inherently intelligent to play in the NFL. I'm like, man, I didn't even bring up Johnny Manziel, by the way. I didn't even bring up Johnny Manziel. That guy's intelligent. I was trying to think of guys that like made it in the NFL that I also think are dumbasses, but I didn't even bring him up. Yeah. No, you're not baiting me into this. You're not baiting me into it.
2: Uh, all in right. Most positions. You have to be inherently intelligent. Most positions.
1: <sighs> no, you're not baiting me into this either. You're not baiting me
2: into this. No, I want to talk less. Uh, last not last all,
1: thing. Most last thing. No, most. Last thing.
2: What are you doing? Like, Last Hunter, thing. Hunter, you don't have to be that intelligent. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, defensive line, you don't need to be that intelligent. Interior defensive line, you don't need to be that intelligent. You how many
1: stupid ass, you know how many Just dumb quarterbacks? There have been a lot of dumb Just quarterbacks. Lock. There have been a lot of dumb quarterbacks.
2: Okay, fine. You have to be inherently intelligent to be good in the NFL. Uh,
1: do you? I... Do you?
2: I mean, I don't know. Well, actually, no, Warren Sapp's kind of a dumbass. Was Vontez no. Perfect?
1: Was he, was he overly smart? Was Vontez Perfect the smart? Was Lawrence Taylor the smartest dude you ever saw in your whole life?
2: Well, listen, I don't know. From what I hear, a lot of Coke really does something for you. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. All right.
1: You're not you're trying to bait me into this, and I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. We're That's gonna do I'm something doing. fun. I'm not listen, even trying to argue. <laughs> we <laughs> we thought. We <laughs> thought Joey was going to be here, uh, but again, he just wasn't be- able to make it. So I had this whole draft. We we were going to have a Super Bowl draft. So instead, Chad, I want I just want to hear some of your favorites. I want to hear what your, I want to hear what some of your picks w- would have been here. Okay. So what we were going to do is we were going to have a draft, and we were going to draft five categories, all pertaining to the Super Bowl. We were going to draft the best Super Bowl, the best game, yeah, of all time, the best halftime show of all time, the best national anthem of all time. That's the easy. best food of all time, or, all right. or uh, not of all time, but the best food at like a Super Bowl party. Like, sure. what do you look forward to at a Super Bowl party? Sure. And then the best commercial of all time.
2: Sure.
1: So I, I guess what we'll do, it, Chad, I'll, I'll just turn it over to you, man, and I'll let you make your picks, and I'll let you know what my would Why
2: don't we go back and forth? You right? want to go back and forth? Why yeah, why, why do we go back
1: Why <laughs> All right, so you want to just do it like a draft? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right, so you could pick it in any order.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know. Give me a category, and then we'll- no,
1: you we'll- gotta pick it. You gotta be strategic about it. What? Why? So what? I was well. I was up first. Joey was actually up first. Then me. Then you. So I'll go. What a dick. I'll go. Okay, go. All right. Uh, the first thing I was gonna, my first pick mm-hmm. in the draft was gonna be the best national anthem because I think it's the thing that stands out far and away the most over anything else. Whitney Houston's national anthem before the yeah. Super Bowl is the greatest national anthem that's ever been sung in history. Yeah,
2: I mean, by that's anybody. That's a tie. That's a tie. Mm-hmm.
1: Her idiot. and Fergie at the All Star game? No,
2: no, 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 no. Super Bowl national anthem, idiots. No. Not an All Star game.
1: Nope. Oh, I thought you just meant of all time. No, I mean in any in any walk of life ever at any event. Whitney Houston. Far and away the best national anthem. So that that's my number one overall pick.
2: Yeah, that's our number one overall pick. That's my number one overall pick too. All right, so
1: yeah, but no, no you said we were drafting, so now you got to wait.
2: No, we don't have to draft. Like we can have the same picks. I'm just saying, like, all who's right. your who's your best national? All right, anthem? so who's and the tie? Who, okay, too. all right, all
1: right. Who's the tie?
2: But Whitney Houston. Whitney Houston's the best. Name. Oh, yeah, we, we were talking. Okay. Yeah, it's inarguable that like. Okay. All, right, all right. All right.
1: I see what you're doing. I see you confuse me. You confuse the shit out of me. I will say very close second place though. Luther Vandross sang it in yeah, uh, what, yeah. like 97.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. You don't Whoa. have to be inherently intelligent for this,
1: Goosebumps. but for what Goosebumps. we're doing. No, fuck. I'm not. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, that was going to be my first pick, but I guess we'll just go down the list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So what did you have for best, uh, best game category? Best game. Best oh, Super yeah. Bowl ever.
2: Honestly, the one—I don't know if it's ever—but the one that sticks out to me the most, the one that I personally loved the most, was Super Bowl 34. I loved that game. I—I I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I was rooting against the Rams so hard, but man, going in over that—that that, that Steve McNair pass to Kevin Dyson and oh. falling short at the one-yard line, dude. What a thriller! That game
1: was, in my opinion, that's the best finish to any super. Bowl. That's better than any last second kick, yeah. That's better than any last second. Maybe I don't know. I think that's not many games end on a last second one yard stand,
2: right? Where
1: he's reaching for the goal line, and you're like, Oh my god, did he get it? or not? that? I think it's the best finish right. to any super bowl ever,
2: yeah. That's my that's my that's my that's my best super bowl get that sticks out in my head.
1: I I, for me it was it was that Giants Patriots, the helmet, uh the helmet catch, the 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 throw to plexico burris, the there were just so many
2: number two to me. That would be like my one A. There were so many moments in that
1: game that are just so memorable. So many moments that are so memorable in that game. That was my number one. Uh I also had uh obviously the Eagles and the Patriots with the Philly special, Uh Nick Foles, crazy. I don't want to give the Patriots credit, but man, two Super Bowls they played in were two of the best games of all time. Yeah. The comeback against Atlanta, outrageous, outrageous. And I never want to root for the Patriots, but that was outrageous. And then their game against Seattle, that the, 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 the decision by Pete Carroll, the one that Pete Carroll won for them. (laughs) Yes. The decision by Pete Carroll to just not give the ball to Marshawn Lynch, the most untackleable guy in the NFL that year. Just don't give him the ball. No, uh, but another an incredible finish to a yeah. Super Bowl. Uh, so all right. So those are some of the best games. So ever. Really, the
2: Patriots. So really, Tom Brady has six Super Bowls, and Pete Carroll has has as one of his.
1: Okay, fair. <laughs> it's a it's a little. I've noticed a little recency bias there. But like, kind of. I mean, there were some really awesome games, like Cowboys Steelers when. The, but I'm never going to pick a Steelers win for best Super Bowl. Uh, there were some last second field goals for the Super Bowl. Uh, okay. But I think those games were were incredible. Uh, all right, next, best halftime show. Chad.
2: For me, 100%, still to this day, is Bruno Mars. Really? Bruno Mars. I wow. I don't know. There's some about that guy's energy. There's some about the show that he puts on. Still the best big venue live concert that I've ever witnessed. The guy's energy, he just keeps you here, and he doesn't quit. And between that and then when he brought out the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I thought that just elevated it even more. I love that guy's show. I love that guy's energy. I mean, I, I guess there's a whole special place in my heart uh, because his shows kind of give me that, like, Michael Jackson was the first ever concert I went to, right? Right. And it kind of gives me that, like, Michael Jackson, like, James Brown, like, type of hybrid energy, like, dance music. Like, yeah, I, I, just, I just thought, to me, that was the best halftime show ever.
1: Listen, I think that's great, dude. Yeah. Dude's uber talented, crazy. Uh, mine for sure is Coldplay. Uh, sorry, I couldn't. I, I tried. I wanted. I wanted to really get through like a whole speech about a Coldplay halftime show. I can That was awful. You know. How uh, I know you know how I know you're gay because <laughs> you love Asia because you uh, love Coldplay. <laughs> uh, Pat Shea saw the Michael Jackson one live at the Super Bowl. Uh, that's on my list. It wasn't my number one, but it was on my list for yeah. me. Number one. Can you even, can you, can you, can you pick a situation? Oh, I love this one from Fumble Janet's boob. Because you can't beat boobs. That's true. You cannot beat boobs. Yeah. yeah, That's fair. That's a really good point. That's a really good point.
2: The of America continues.
1: Really good point. Uh, Can you get better? Could you have scripted it better than for it to rain while Prince was singing Purple Rain? No, you couldn't. At the halftime of the Super Bowl. It's, it's the greatest halftime show I've ever seen. Right. And I like halftime shows. And we talked about this last night too. I like halftime shows. I like, I, I don't care who it is. People get wild about halftime show. Lady Gaga. Well, this sucks. Who gives a shit? It's a fun. I thought the weekend put on a good show. It is what it is. These guys are out there just having fun. What Rihanna or, or, or uh or, uh, Shakira Rihanna's was out year? there.
2: Isn't is Rihanna this year? It's
1: Rihanna this year. Yeah. Shakira uh Lady, had a halftime show. That was fine. Lady
2: Gaga, Lady Gaga put as it puts on a hell yeah. She of jumped off the roof. Puts on a hell of a show. Bitch she does. jumped off the roof. Yeah. <laughs> uh
1: uh, my my uh honorable mention, Michael Jackson was one. And then I think I think personally, you want to talk about a great halftime show? Katy Perry put on a ridiculous yeah. halftime show.
2: Yeah, she was riding around on a big-ass lion. Oh, yeah, what she likes this... in dancing? She makes up for in budget. Like She, <laughs> like she makes
1: up for in dancing sharks behind her. Yeah. Left yeah. shark was <laughs> yeah. drunk as shit. Uh, that was a great show, show, though. Yeah. I like all the shows, though. I like the ones like Katy Perry or The Weeknd, where it's all about, like, the show itself. But give me the who. I mean, give me the who on the stage. I don't know. That's pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. So, I don't know.
2: I like it. Remember a while there after Janice Boob? it was like oh we got to be clean the who the rolling stones
1: Coldplay. Like, play <laughs> yeah. yeah that's fair that's fair uh all right so we did anthem game halftime show how about your favorite food at a super bowl party
2: yeah i'm just simple honestly give me wings and pizza give me wings and pizza that's it extra crispy wings pizza maybe some maybe some dip like a spin dip or like a, like, a, like, a, like a chorizo queso type of you just, deal? Are you, are
1: you just going to pick all the foods and not leave no, anything gonna pick, else? Yeah, you just, gonna... I'm, I'm
2: trying to leave you with none. Are you so, just going to uh, do a
1: smorgasbord so I have I'm to say to carrots? trying to
2: leave you with none. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: carrots. I like carrots.
2: Uh, carrots. No, carrots. Uh, Yeah, carrots I, I carrots that you can dip in ranch.
1: I like chicken.
2: So, chicken. Uh, chicken's good. Uh, ribs. Steak. Uh, oh, You you go ahead, Mike. You go ahead. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah fair, 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 fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, i wings is the top wings, of my list. But, wings? But, but
2: wings but I was gonna say wings. Buffalo chicken dip. Buffalo
1: chicken dip. Yeah. Uh Buffalo chicken dip. And then I gotta give credit. Uh Joey's mom, my mother-in-law. Uh she has figured out like a recipe for uh white castle sliders that she makes at home. Oh, every time there's like an event, like a sporting event that we have a get together, she makes them.
2: Yeah. Oh,
1: these little oh. like white Castle onion beef cheese sliders amazing
2: dude you want to talk about okay fine you want to talk about that i'm going to tell you one thing right now my brother-in-law's father uh figured out brother-in-law's cousin's nephew's former roommate uh luke (laughs) i am your uh, brother's he figured out he figured out how to make arby's sauce so he made roast beef sandwiches Uh, yes (laughs) he made roast beef sandwiches one uh one year for us, and oh my god, amazing, dude. Man, uh, amazing.
1: Couple votes there for nachos. How about Fumble? French bread with cream cheese spread with ranch seasoning and bacon on top with cheddar cheese. I'm coming to your house, Fumble. That sounds delicious. I, holy shit. Fatten me up. Let's go. Uh all right. So we did that. And then I think the last thing on the list was commercials. What are your favorite Super Bowl? What's your favorite Super Bowl commercial ever?
2: Why? Ah, yeah. <laughs> that and the E-Trade monkey. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Monkeys will never not be funny. Like monkeys doing anything will never not be funny. All
1: right, so I had I had a few, wasa was on my list because <laughs> that like defined my like teenage years.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: I think it was like fifteen when that came out. <laughs> yeah, and and that man, if you went to Rocky River High School, the after that Super Bowl happened, it was just that's all we were doing in the hallway. Wazzah! that's everybody was just the teachers were doing it, the kids were doing it. You would just see people you know around. It'd be like. You'd be going to the grocery store and you'd see somebody, you know, you'd be like, what's that? You'd hear it. Other people doing it across the store. Uh, that was like a, a movement. It was like a movement, that commercial. So that's a great choice, Chad. That's a great choice. Uh, for me, the greatest Super Bowl commercial of all time happened in 1993. Okay. It's something I still quote regularly to this day. When I'm acting like I'm a basketball player and I'm trying to shoot. You know how no, people say, Kobe. Yeah. You know how people say Kobe? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, I'm yeah. trying
1: to shoot at things, and I'll try to, like, bank it off of things. I'll be like off the scoreboard, off the wall, off this, into the garbage can. Yeah, that yeah. McDonald's commercial, Jordan versus Bird, 1993 was the first time that aired during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's the greatest commercial of all time. Yeah. Playing for a Big Mac, and they're up on top of, like, the Hancock building throwing basketballs around. Uh, one of the greatest commercials of all time. My, my uh, honorable mention here, more recently that Volkswagen commercial that had like mini Darth Vader that like stood Horse. outside of the car. Yeah. Oh, what a great commercial. Yeah. And then if you want to be serious about it, uh, I think you can't make a list without the, uh, right after nine 11, the 2002 super bowl, uh, when they did the Clydesdale horses yeah, yeah. for Budweiser that went and like knelt down towards like where the, the towers were.
2: Right. I mean, but a by- great, a my voice is always good for a, a, an emotional commercial during the Super Bowl. Yeah,
1: look at Fumble. How, how I mean, uh, to me, that one is like the most emotional, but I, how Clydesdale's and the puppy. It's like right. the two, it's it, that's emotions right there. Right. It's emotions,
2: right? It gets me in my feels, it gets me in my feels, right
1: in my feels. Right in my feels. <laughs> all right. So, those are some of our favorite Super Bowl things. Hopefully, we get good commercials. To me, it's the worst part about a Super Bowl party is that when the commercials happen, people go, Shut up! Yeah, I'd rather sit at home and watch the commercials. Uh, uh, but listen, Sunday, uh, hopefully, whatever you're doing, whether you're going to a party, whether you're just hanging out at home, hopefully, we get a good game. The Chiefs, the Eagles, uh, hopefully, we get all the good stuff a good halftime show, a good national anthem, good commercials, all that stuff. Hopefully, you're eating good food, having a good time. Uh, Super Bowl weekend is here. Uh, and it's hard to believe, but after this weekend is full on offseason talk. And you know, You are sitting here watching the best place to catch off-season stuff that you're going to get in Cleveland on the OBR. We'll talk about that in a second. The last thing we're going to do here uh, is our three cheers of the week. And I'll lead us off, Chad. I So before we even like went into the whole conversation with Campy Russell and the Cavaliers and all that stuff, when the report from Chris Fedor came out about the Cavs taking Kevin Love out of the rotation, I went, well, that's my cheer of the week. Speculation. I don't think it's speculation. I think that was didn't know. information given to him. Uh, I wanted to cheers. I wanted to cheers. Kevin love. He was the first guy on my list. I'm going to have two cheers. He was the first guy on my list. Uh, man's done a lot for basketball in Cleveland. And the man's been ridiculed at times. Uh, people didn't like when they signed into a long contract after like LeBron and, and and Kyrie and all that stuff. But you know what? The guy's been really good for the city of Cleveland, really good for the Cleveland Cavaliers organization uh and so if this is getting to the end of the kevin love uh experience here with the cavaliers that number is going up in the rafters someday and i just i want to send a cheers to him really quickly on a secondary note and a little bit and yes and for mental health awareness pat shay just said that in the comments uh really quickly though then something else happened that affected a lot of people those crazy earthquakes man over there uh in in turkey um that was some devastating stuff over there. And I saw a lot of videos of the people that are going through buildings and pulling people. They pulled a six year old little girl out of the rubble and she was alive. Uh, and they, they showed the emotion on those people after they did that, the people that are over there right now, just searching and, and and rescuing people and finding people alive after a magnitude, basically eight earthquake hits Turkey uh, and just wrecks the, the country uh, or at least that part of the country, uh, yeah, they deserve a cheer. So I give a cheer wow. to them too, as well. Anyways, over to you, Chad.
2: I don't know. I kind of don't want to do a cheer after that. because Mine's just going to seem so insignificant. Mm-mm.
1: Do it. Your stuff's always insignificant. It's fine. Oh, that's cool.
2: Uh, well, never mind then. In uh, the show. Bye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, my cheers goes to Mel Brooks for finally making History of the World Part 2. It is coming out March 6th. Know, Fortnite probably. event. I'm so excited on Hulu Live. If you don't have it, just sign up for the free trial so you can watch History of the World Part Two. Love that movie! Can't wait for it. To, can't wait to see it.
1: I think Mel Brooks is my favorite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there's nothing Mel Brooks has done that I don't. Uh, Blazing Saddles is my all-time favorite movie. Right. Uh, but the uh, History of the World right. and Young Frankenstein and uh, man, Mel Spaceballs. Spaceballs. Mel Brooks, all day, every day. I love. I How love Hoodman in Tights. I love it. A Blinken. Did he say A Blinken? Uh All right. Anyways. Oh, God. Now I'm only going to be thinking of Robin Hood men in tights things. Lend me your ears.
2: A, <laughs> A Jew? Ear? Yeah? No, man. That's my name. I chew. God bless you. Uh all right.
1: I can't. I can't. We could can just do that forever. Um <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. Episode 152 in the books. Last thing we got to do is just some thank yous. First of all, huge thank you to Campy Russell, uh, Cavaliers legend, a guy that the was guy an was all-star, all-star with the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, and a guy who has now been with the Cavaliers going on 50 years. I mean, outside of a couple things here or there, 50 the majority of 50 years spent with the franchise, whether it's as a player, whether it's as a, a broadcaster, whether it's as... Their director of alumni uh, relations uh, for the Cavaliers, Campy Russell. What a great guy. What an amazing dude. He shared his story with us, uh, shared a little bit about the team. Great guy to talk ball with. Thank you so much to Campy for coming on with us. Make sure you tune in to the pre and post game show on Bally Sports to check out Campy Russell uh, uh, be- before and after all Cavaliers games. Secondly, huge thank you goes out to the OBR. They host us every single week and I am so impressed with the lineup that we're putting out there in the off season. Uh, on Monday nights, you get me and Andrew Spade on Unscripted, just talking about nonsense. On Tuesday, you're normally going to get Jake uh, Burns and Andrew Spade on uh, Franchise Mode, talking about off season decisions for teams. You're going to get Garage Beers every Tuesday night. Wednesday, tomorrow night, you got OBR Weekly. That's that's like the flagship. It's it's Barry, it's Fred Greetham just talking about the Browns. Catch that at seven o'clock tomorrow. And I told you we were going to talk about him. Brad Ward has brought his show over to the OBR, All Eyes on Cleveland, a show he's done for a few years now, about the same time as we've been doing Garage Beers. He has finally brought All Eyes on Cleveland over to the OBR. He does it live on Thursdays at 8 o'clock. Check that one out this week. He's got our buddy from Barstool Cleveland, Will Burge. Whoa! Going to be like, whoa, Will Burge. He's going to have Will Burge on, uh, so you know that's going to be an entertaining show. No doubt. No doubt that that's going to be an entertaining show catch uh, all eyes on Cleveland Thursday nights, eight o'clock will Burge this week, coming on with him. Lastly, our biggest thank you goes out to all of you, whether you joined us live here tonight, you guys were awesome. Uh, Always, always awesome in the comments. And you guys were great. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you had fun hanging out with us. Uh, uh, If you're not able to join us live, you're listening to us later on any major podcast host site, or if you're watching us on demand, thank you for your support. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, uh, more than you'll ever know. Anyways, for Joey, who's not going to be here in forever, go follow him at Garage Beers. Joe, for Chad, over on the east side of Cleveland, go follow him at Garage Beers. Chad, I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike, go follow the show at The Garage Beers on all the major host sites or, or, or social media sites. And until next week for episode 153, cheers, everybody.